You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. For more information, visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Thanks, you guys can have a seat. It's good to have short people back on the stage after last week. See, short people win things. You know, you see the, uh, the, the Belmont Stakes last night? Short guy riding that horse, by the way. Five foot four. Right? Good guy. Seems to be a believer, too. Pretty cool. So, anyway, um, that had nothing to do with what I'm going to say today. I just thought, just the balance is normal now. The stand fits. Everything's normal. Um, there's something, I took my kids to see the Avengers this week, uh, the younger boys, anyway. There's something about our culture that loves superheroes, right? I mean, if you look at the top grossing films in the last, I don't even know how many years, it, it's all it's superheroes. It doesn't even matter if it's a good movie or not. They make money. Right? Uh, whether it's Black Panther, which was a good movie, Avengers, I like too, Infinity War. Uh, you know, but all these movies, The Incredibles comes out next week. I'm going to go see that. I ain't going to lie. I'm going to blame it on the kids, but I'm going to go see The Incredibles. Um, <laughs> Wonder Woman, I, all these movies, right? Uh, Last Jedi, whatever it is. And, and there's something about heroes. And what makes a hero in these movies is they have some sort of power that makes them do great things, right? Whether it's super strength. Or they can shoot webs from their hands, or they have, you know, uh, some magical, mystical force, or maybe they can just do the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs, whatever it is, right? Uh, which is a great feat, right? If you, you, know, you don't know what that is, then you don't belong here, by the way. That's a, that's a Han Solo reference. Anyway, but, the, but, but here's the thing about all those hero uh, events. They're, they're not real. They're, they're fake. Even the Kessel Run is fake. Uh, but when we look in Scripture... What we see is, there is, a, is there's men and women who do great feats, who do extraordinary things, and those things are real. And none of them are because they have some kind of like superpower, like they weren't born on another planet and now they're here and the sun makes them strong, or they don't have a ship, or they don't have a suit. There is one guy that he's got superpower, it's strength, but he... He's a knucklehead, and we'll look at him next year, but his name's Samson. All right, so one, with, without him, take him out of the picture, n- they're, they're ordinary men and women, just like you and me, some of them boys and girls, but there is one common denominator in all of them that makes them able to do extraordinary things, and it's that common denominator we're going to talk about this summer, we're going to crack the door on it today. A little bit. So if you have a Bible, turn in it to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And, and for those of you who are a little bit familiar with the scripture, this is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. And the common denominator, I'm going to tell you the answer right up front. I kind of teased it a little bit, but it's not going to be that long, right? It's not like, who's your father? Is Luke your real father? And you have to find out three years later. No, I'm going to tell you, what is that common denominator for all these men and women that did extraordinary things? It was their faith. And that's not really, in our minds, a great superpower. Much, much, much rather be Superman, or at least Batman. At least he's got a cool car, and he's a billionaire, right? But faith is not exciting to us. But yet, faith is the thing that moves the hand of God in a mighty, mighty way, as we're going to see from these folks. In this chapter, it's going to 19 times say, by faith, by faith, by faith, and enlist an extraordinary event that a man or a woman was able to accomplish by their faith, right? And we are a people 
the scripture makes it very, very clear throughout that we are to live and walk by faith, right? It says it all throughout. Habakkuk says, the, the righteous live by faith. Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that life, this life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith. Paul says later in 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's over and over and over that the Christian lives by faith, right? And so this chapter is going to demonstrate and really just show us just very practically what it looks like for certain individuals to walk by faith, to live by faith and not by sight. And so what we're going to do this summer is just kind of unpack that and look at that and see some examples so that we, as God's people, walk by faith. And that's the goal. If you go to the end of this chapter, after he lists out all these great heroes of the faith, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, all right, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us and run with endurance the race before us. He says, I listed all these things so that you would run well. I wanted to give you an example. I wanted you to give you an encouragement. For the original audience, the book of Hebrews, it was a group of Jewish Christians. They had come out of Old Testament Judaism. They had put their faith in the Messiah. But then they were tempted to go back into the sacrificial system for some reason, whether it was external pressure or whatever. And so whoever the writer is, he writes to encourage all these early Christians, why are you going to go back to that? And, and the first 10 chapters, he argues that Jesus is better than everything that they were trying to go back to. That Jesus is better than the prophets. That Jesus was better than the angels. That Jesus was better than Joseph, Moses. That Jesus was better than Aaron. That he was better than the old temple. That he was better than the sacrifice. And so he says, don't go back to that. Keep your faith in the Messiah. And so at the end of arguing that Jesus is better, he says, we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are those who have faith and preserve their souls. And then he jumps into chapter 11 and shows them what faith looks like to encourage them. And so the goal for us this summer, because I know some of you are going to be gone, some of you are going to be here, you know, you're going to be in and out, is, is you guys are going to just get to see some snapshots from this chapter Different people who live by faith so that you, when, when in the ups and downs of life, when it gets tough or when it's good, that you're just, we're just a people who are walking by faith. And I've asked some of the young bucks this summer, you're going to get to hear from some of the young guys you don't get to usually hear from, uh, they're going to come up and speak a little bit. Uh, and, and so and I've, I've set them up, I've teed them up for some great stories to preach, and so and when they're going to preach to you, and then we'll take them in the back and tell them how bad they did. So you don't need to tell them, all right? I'm just kidding, right? They're, they're going to do great. Um, so just an opportunity for them. Um, and so what we're going to do today, here's, here's my goal for the day. Um, I'm just going to crack open the first verse of this chapter, kind of give you some working definition of faith a little bit. Uh, and then some implications. And then I, I've asked Ethan, we're going to do a little bit of extended time of worship. My goal today is to go shorter. And some of you are like, you're already shorter. I'm at shorter here. Because I just want to worship. We're going to celebrate the table together. The reality is, at 6.01, I go on vacation. <laughs> so I'm just like, what time is it? 9.24. Okay, I got 13 hours. All right. No. Uh, I can't think of a better way before going on vacation. I feel like, remember at the end of Terminator 2, when he's like all beat up, he's like, I need a vacation. I feel like that a little bit. So... 6.01, I'm on vacation. Don't call me. I'll call you. But until then, I just want to crack the door in chapter 11 and spend some time in worship together and celebrate the table, all right? Does that sound good? That's good, because I'm going to do it anyway. Verse 1, <laughs> chapter 11. Here's our, here's our working definition. And this is, by the way, a generic, this is not necessarily a specifically Christian definition. It is for us, but it's a generic definition of faith. 
It can be for anything, and I'll show you that in a second. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. And so there's kind of two working parts to this really generic kind of definition of what faith is. Number one, it's the assurance of things hoped for. Different translations kind of help you understand. NIV says, it's being sure of what you hope for. The New Living Translation says that faith is, shows the reality of what you're hoping for. And so the first part there is, is there's a confidence, some old translations say conviction, right, in the object of what you are hoping for, right? That's what faith is. It's a, it's a confidence in the object of your hope. And it can be very distinctly Christian, as we'll see, but it's, it just can be generic. So for some of you, I've already heard the trash talking, all right, some of you have put your hope in the fact that the Atlanta Braves are in first place right now. Travis West is one of them, y'all. <laughs> and so your hope is that at the end of the season, they're going to win the World Series, which is probably unlikely to happen. But that is the object of your hope, and so there's a confidence there because we're up by three games or whatever, right? So it's a generic thing. There's plenty of people, religions in the world that have true faith Right? They, have a, they are absolutely convinced that if they die as a martyr, that they will spend eternity in paradise. They are convinced of this. That is their hope. There is a whole other group of people that think that as, as long as I you know, just kind of do good things and I'll kind of move up the system and I might be born as a, a king next time and then maybe eventually I'll make it. In, and you know, and it's, they're utterly convinced of that. There's another just large group of people in our, in our world now that believe that this is it. That there is nothing. That you're here, you live, you die, and, it, and you cease to exist. And there is a faith, a confidence in that. Right? So, there's all sorts of confidence in what you are hoping for. But here's the key. Ultimately, in the end, your faith is only as good as the object in which it is placed. Bottom line. Right? Okay, you can hope all day long for the Braves, and that's great. Hope they win, all right, for your sake, so I can stop hearing y'all whine. All right? I really don't hope they win, but that's enough. But, but the idea is, if, if you put your confidence there, how sure is that? Right? For the Christian, because that's who he's writing to, that's who we are. For the Christian, our hope, what, the things that we are hoping for, it is rooted in the God who is the creator who has revealed himself in creation, Romans chapter 1, that we can see his invisible attributes because you look outside and it is absolutely gorgeous. Yes, it's been affected by sin, but I'm driving over the bridge this morning and the tide is in and the sun is glistening them off the, off the water and I tell my youngest, I'm going look at how high tide. It's just beautiful, right? And, and God has revealed himself in that to a certain sense. And that's why in, in verse 3, if you just jump down, he says, by faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. Right? We, we understand that that didn't just happen. God made it so that that which is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we, our, our hope is in this creator God who has created and revealed himself not only in creation, but he has revealed himself specifically in his word and in his son. Right? The word of God, which is interesting in, in verse 3. It says that, that the universe was created by the word of God. The word of God, whether it's the spoken word or the written word, always brings life, y'all. It always brings life. So for us as, as Christians, what is our hope in? It's in the God 
who has created, and it is the God who has spoken, and we take God at his word. Christianity is not some blind, you all say, oh, it's just blind faith. It is not blind. It is based on something. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So your faith is based on something. It's based on hearing the truth that God has done and what God has said. And so our hope and our confidence is in this creator God who has spoken and what he has said and what he has promised. And he has said so many things. Ethan stole some of my thunder this morning in reading Romans 8. He should have told me. I would have taken that out of my sermon. Right? But what ha- think about all the things God has said. He has told us. He has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So he says, you want eternal life? It is in Christ. He has said that if you receive him, you become a son and a daughter of God. That you are adopted into his family. He has said that. He has said that he has chosen us before the foundation of the world. But I mean, in eternity past, you were chosen to be adopted. You were dead, and he has made you alive. You were an enemy, he has made you a son, he has made you a daughter, he has made you an heir. He said that. He said that my sheep hear my voice, they know me, they follow me, I give them eternal life, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. My father who is greater than I, no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. He said that you are secure. He said as far as the east is from the west, so far as your transgression is separated. He said nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? He said, Ethan read it, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He said that. He said, he who began a good work will complete it in the day of Christ. He said that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not an accident. You're not, you're not a joke. You're not a, you're, oh, you're a mistake. That God fearfully knit you together in your mother's womb. He said he will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. All these things he has said. And so for the Christian, our faith is is wrapped up in what Christ has said. We take him at his word. I believe it. He said it, and I believe it. Peter calls this his precious and magnificent promises. And if one of them is true, guess what? All of them are true. If if, if, If one of them is not true, then none of them are true. And so for us, faith is the assurance of what we hope for, what God has revealed about himself, who he is, what he has said. We put our confidence and our trust in that, right? Even if I can't see it, I can't see it. I can't see gravity. Guess what happened? I I believe with all my heart, this is going to fall. It happened. I don't understand gravity. I know it's like negative 30-something feet per second or whatever. I don't care. Some some physics teacher is going to email me, you know. I don't see it, but I believe it. That's the idea. Because I am convinced of it, that's the second part of our definition. The assurance of things hoped for. We hope in what God has said, who he is. And it's also the convictions of things not seen. I don't see that Jesus is going to give me a new body six foot four one day. I don't see that. I believe it. All right. I can't see it now. I can't see Jesus on the throne, but I believe he is there. We sang about it. Can't see it. I can't see the fact that I'm going to be resurrected from the dead, but I believe it. I can't see that that he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Can't see it, but I believe it. I can't see, I can't go backwards and see that God created out of the word and on the day one. I can't see that, but I believe it. So so my, my hope is in that which he has said, and it gives me conviction of the things that I do not see. And again, so everything comes down to where is your hope? 
What, what is the rock, the foundation of your hope? And so Peter, elsewhere, he's going to say, Though you, I've never seen Jesus. Paul saw Jesus, Peter saw Jesus, a bunch of the early church saw Jesus. I have never seen Jesus. I've seen that blue-eyed, you know, blonde-haired picture that they made in the 60s. That's not Jesus. I've never seen him. But Peter says it's okay. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining of the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So it, it's, it's a conviction of things unseen. And so my simple P.E. mind, when I think of what is faith at, at, at its simplistic, here's the fowler definition. Probably not super, def, super theological, but it gets me through the day. It's just taking God at his word. I believe what God has said. And that's, y'all, that is the start for these folks of extraordinary stuff going on in their lives. Every single one of these folks in Hebrews chapter 11, right, they just take God at his word, even though they don't see the result. Noah had never seen rain, let alone a boat, but he builds one. And by the way, it takes him over 100 years to do it. Abraham does not have GPS, has never been to the med, but when God says, I want you to go to a land, I'm going to bless you, he leaves. Joseph is old, and he's leaning, and he's, he's about to die, and he, and he knows that God has promised that the people of Israel are about to go back, are going to go eventually back into their own land, and so he says, take my bones when you go. Now, it takes 400 years, but they take his bones. So you don't always see, it's, it's, it's unseen is my point, but they just took God at his word. Peter, when Peter's in the boat, and everyone else in the boat, and Jesus says, come on out, Peter, and he says, okay. He takes God at his word. Now, he has a little issue in the middle, but at least he got out of the boat. Where's old Matthew sitting in there under his blanket, right? So, th- so that's the idea. And so we just want to be a people that, that we're, we're looking for God to move, and we're, we're trusting God and his word. And you're going to see examples of this in the next couple of weeks as these guys kind of unpack some of these great narratives of the Old Testament, right? And, so, and a couple of guys floated into the kind of the Gospels as well. Um, they're not perfect. That's what I love about this list, by the way. Every single one of these guys and gals in the list, not perfect. Right? Noah, yeah, he, did a, he built a great boat. He also had a little too much Mad Dog 2020 <laughs> and had a big issue with his son. All right? So he's not perfect. Abraham, we, we, we unpacked Abraham's brokenness. Right? We looked at all, all his stuff. Rahab the harlot says enough. I mean... That's, that's where she's going by. So these are, this is not a list of perfect people. Gideon was scared. It's not even the size. This is another great thing. It's not even the size of their faith. Some of these folks are shaking in their boots as God asks them to move. Right? Gideon does not want to do anything. Right? He's hiding in a wine press when God shows up. So it is not like we have to have this great faith. It's not the, the huge size. It's the object of your faith, which is the mighty God of the universe. Right? So, so you, that's why Jesus can say, you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Tell the mountain to move, and it moves. And the point is, you're not going to go move Mount Everest. The point is, it's just a little faith. And the object of your faith is what matters. The object of our faith is the creator God who has chosen us, who has drawn us, who has sent his son to be our substitute. That is the object of our faith. Right? So hopefully, throughout the summer... You'll get to see great examples and just hopefully be great, greatly encouraged. Let me just give you four quick thoughts, and then we'll worship, uh, and then we'll sing. Uh, just four ideas about faith 
real quick, just from this chapter and just in general. Number one is this, faith pleases God. It, it pleases it. Pleases him. And, and he says that in verse 6. But, but think about this. What's the, what's the thing that Jesus hammers the disciples for when he's with them for those three and a half years? The most. I mean, he hammers them for their pride a little bit. But he's constantly, he's constantly saying, why did you not believe? Where is your faith? Right? Faith, it, it's, a, it's a huge, huge piece for us. Because when we don't have faith, it's saying, God, you are not who you say you are. You're not the mighty God. I can't trust you. Faith is such a significant piece for us. Um, so in verse 2, he says, by faith, for by it, the people of old received their condemnation. It's not that Noah was righteous because he built a boat. Noah built a boat because he had faith. It wasn't Abraham was righteous because he left the land, because he did all these things. He, he was righteous because he had faith. Abraham believed God. It was accredited to him as righteousness. Their faith moved them. And so faith pleases God. Verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Faith not only is the entrance place to salvation, faith is the channel through which all of God's blessings flow. Right? It's a, it's a gift of God. Not just for salvation, as you walk by faith. Walk is, is present tense. We're walking by faith. God delights and has joy in his children when they are believing and when they're trusting in him. Have you, ever, have you ever, for those of you who have kids, you've done this and you've seen this at the pool. The little two-year-old standing on the edge of the pool, right? And dad's where? Dad's down in the pool. And he's, and he's saying, jump, I'll catch you. No, I don't want to do it. No, mom, don't make me do it. Right? And there's this fear. But what happens, and if you, depending on what kind of dad you are, I... They stand there all day for me. Some of you are my gracious. But what happens when that two-year-old finally jumps into dad's arms and hopefully he catches? <laughs> There's a joy in the dad because the child trusted him. But who else has joy usually? The toddler. Because they're like, oh, that was fun. And then you can't stop it. Then it's all day. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> Why? Because... Because it's, there's a joy piece when you trust the Father. And, and the Father is for your joy. You, you guys, as a church, I know you're from the South and a lot of you came out of the Baptist place and, and so you don't believe that. God is for your joy. But he also knows that your joy is found in him. And when you can rest in him and you can jump into his arms, you will find that joy. Right? And so it, it, it may seem scary at times. Uh, but that, but that's, that's where we want to be, right? And so when, when things are hard and God feels miles away and, and you feel like you missed the promotion again or you're just not in a place, there's a temptation to feel like God doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't know. He doesn't love. And it, it pleases God when we can say, no, 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 I know what the scripture says. Ethan read it to us this morning, that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God in Christ. Nothing. And so I can trust that if I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. And that drawing near is that little jump into your daddy's arms. And he will catch you. When, you, when you're tight, you know, you got, you know, you're making X amount and you owe this amount. And you hear that sermon on, oh, tithing. And you're like, we can't, how are we going to ever give 10% to anything? And there's that fear, right? But when, you're, when you'll trust God and say, 
I don't know how it works, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going I'm to give from off the top to him. It pleases God and ultimately it results in your joy because I promise you, if you trust God with that, he is going to meet all your needs. He just will. It's not prosperity. You're not going to mean you're going to be driving a Maserati, but it means he will, he'll, he'll meet all your needs. Even when things are going great, when you get the promotion, when, when you, you, know, you got married, when, when you had a kid, when the adoption went through, whatever it is, when you acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes from God the Father, it pleases him because you're trusting that this is not because of me, it's from him. It's, we make it our aim as long as we are here to please God. That's, that's what Paul says. And, and if you want to just tomorrow morning say, I want to please God, don't think you're going to please God because you read your Bible or you gave a bunch of money. If you just wake up and you hear from God and you believe him, if you hear something on the radio and you're like, man, that spoke to me, and you take God at his word, and you're like, or you just, you're just praying, God, I trust you, I trust you this morning, that you're going to use me, that, t- that you, you were for my joy, that you want me to be a blessing to someone at work or to my family. If you trust God, that is the way you please God, not by going and doing a bunch of activities. Faith pleases your father, right? It's a big piece. Second thing is this, faith acts. This is a chapter of action. Christians are a people of action. Not that we act to get saved. We are saved not by our works. It is by grace you are saved. It is through faith. It is not a result of works. But the faith that is real will work. So, so when, the, when the people of Israel are standing and the, and the Red Sea is parted, they don't just stand there like, wow, that's kind of scary. What are we supposed to do? By faith, they crossed on dry land. They moved, right? They moved. It, ours is not a stagnant faith. Ours is a God, y'all, who is a moving God. From the very beginning, the Spirit of God is moving over the waters. He is sustaining the universe right now. He's a God of action. And so when he speaks, we listen. He says all sorts of things he speaks. He says, love your neighbor. Very, very generic, right? And, and you're thinking... My neighbor is a jerk, right? I don't like them. Their dog messes on my yard, they this, they, whatever. Maybe it's the neighbor in the cubicle next to you. Maybe it's your roommate you got stuck with. Maybe it's your coach. Jesus says, love your neighbor. So are you going to step out in faith and do that and leave the results to him? Or are you going to be like, no, they don't love me. I'm not going to love them. It's an act of faith. Ultimately, right? Are you going to bless those who, bless, who curse you? Are you? Somebody cuts you off. I'm going to cut them off. Give them the one finger salute. That's what I'm going to do. Or are you going to let them in when they're trying to get in later because you're going to bless those who curse you? The person that slanders you at the office, are you going to, are you going to go slander them or are you going to actually speak good of them? That's, see, that's walking by faith. I know that's very difficult. But that's the idea, right? Where there's this relationship, where there's this habit that you know that God is speaking to you and saying, no, 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 no. Stop. No more of this. You're like, I don't, you're, living, you're living with your significant other and you're not married and you're thinking, I can't survive if I don't do this. I mean, I don't make enough money. I know that's a scary thing to say, I shouldn't be doing this, but I don't know. But to step out in faith, but God will supply that need. You got to trust him. It may not be the same place. It may not be the same this, but, but it's the idea of, I don't know what the unknown is, but I know what God says, I'm going to trust him in that. 
Maybe some of you, God, is call, he's calling you to a career change. Maybe he wants you to go start a new business or go do this or go do that. And that's very scary. Health insurance, retirement insurance, whatever. Right. So that's the point. It's just, but what is the object of your faith? Right. Is, it, is it a big God or a little God? Is it a God who says, I will never leave you or forsake you? Right. Take my yoke upon you. For it's, it's light, it's easy. So faith moves. And I don't know what that looks like for you. For Peter, it meant get out of the boat. It meant all sorts of things. But we want to be a people of movement. We don't want to be stagnant. Third thing is that faith does not mean everything will be perfect. This is a misnomer in the church. Sometimes, sometimes the Red Sea parts, and that's awesome. Right? But remember this. Moses walked by faith, and he spent 40 years in the wilderness. Right? Samson's greatest moment of faith, probably his only real moment of faith, he does it and then he dies. Right? I mean, that's the, that's the reality. And so sometimes it turns out awesome and sometimes it doesn't. In fact, verse 37 is very sobering. This is the Hall of Fame of Faith. They were stoned. That sounds fun. They were sawn in two. That was Isaiah, by the way. That's not a good way to go. Uh, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about. Doesn't sound like they were rich and wealthy. Sometimes, man, great things happen. Sometimes you were in the middle of God's will and it is chaos. And the reason I tell you that, because I, I, I think that we feel like if I'm, if I'm obeying God, everything should go smoothly. Sometimes it doesn't. But it doesn't mean you're not doing what God has called you to do. I want to encourage you in that. At least you're not getting sawn into, right? Sometimes God quenches the, the lion's mouth and he makes the fire go out for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and sometimes the fire is still burning. But remember, God is a rewarder. The reward is there. And so that's, that's where we're looking, right? And so it's going to be challenging sometimes. That's okay. Ultimately, the model is Christ, who was faithful, trusted God completely, and to a cross, right? So that is the model. Right? And here's the last one, and, and it kind of is where I, it alludes to what I said in the beginning. If it, your faith encourages other people. That's the whole point of chapter 12, 1, right? Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses. Don't you, have, you've been around people before that you're, they're just infectious, aren't they? Whether it's their infectious laughter or they, they just love well or they're just gentle, they're kind. They pray, maybe they have great faith, whatever it is, is that... Being around that person just makes you want to be more like that person. And my thought for us as we close this out is, and, and really the goal for us this summer is, there is a great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11. My thought is, I would love for our church to be that cloud of witnesses. Right? We have a great cloud of witnesses, but there's still a great cloud of witnesses. So it, for us, it's, you go be the cloud of witnesses. You be the encouragement to other people. Right? So, so you don't have a job yet and you're looking and this guy over here has got a great job but he's complaining because he, he thinks he should have a better job. When he sees you living in peace and not complaining and you're no job, it's, there's something about that, that that's like, man, I need to be thankful. I, I, it, it's encouraging. Right? When you handle that hard situation at work or that person that's been unfair and you were kind and you were gentle and you were loving and the person in the cubicle next to you sees that, that is encouraging to be like, man, I... I'm not treated half as bad as that person. When you've suffered loss or just going through a hard time, but you're sitting in that seat out there and 
person's next to you that knows all these things in your life, and you're still able to sing and smile and go welcome people and love on people and be generous to people, when they see that, it's an encouragement. When you're transparent and, 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 and acknowledging that your life is just as broken as everyone else's, and not pretending everything's perfect, and you're like, man, could you guys pray for us because we got this struggle? If you do that, it is an encouragement to other people. And that's what we're supposed to be. Right? We're supposed to be stirring one another up. When you forgive that horrible thing and model what Christ has said, and this person's got a little thing, man, it is a great encouragement to them. Your faith helps you be the cloud, and not the cloud, the eye cloud, this cloud, right? And we want to be the cloud, right? So that's my prayer for us this summer, that our, we walk by faith, a faith that encourages others, faith that can be seen, that is acting, right? A faith ultimately in a great God. Um, and again, we close with 12-2. With we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's the model. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, seated at the right hand of God.